Todd. This is Gabby. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing, where we discuss pop culture for Generation X and beyond. Movies, TV, music, from a Gen X perspective. To infinity and beyond. Because we, we don't always do Gen X movies, thus the movie we're doing today. What are we doing today? We're doing Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade. And that is uh, a movie that was in two, from 2018. 2018. All the way back in 2018. You remember that year, sweetie? <laughs> so far. So long ago. It was considered one of the best movies of 2018. Uh, yeah. It's a story about an introver- introverted teenage girl trying to survive the last week of her disastrous eighth grade year before leaving before leaving to start high school. At least that's what it says on IMDb. I was going to say, I take total issue with that. It, you didn't write that. Right. That was on, But I don't know if it was a disastrous year. I don't know. Ah, that's a strong word. It's a strong word. Um, so I have a lot of different things that I want to talk to you about th- in this regard. But Can um, I, do sure. you want me to start? Yeah, go ahead, start. So the reason that Todd and I wanted to do this movie was, first of all, for those of you who listen to Zen Parenting Radio, you know that we have three daughters 16, 14, and 11. So not only have Todd and I been through eighth grade. Remember eighth grade, Todd? Uh, Queen of All Saints, 1986. I remember it well. Nice. You even have the year memorized. That's great. Not only have Todd and I been through eighth grade, but we obviously have two daughters. We have a daughter who is going to be a junior and a daughter who just finished eighth grade and one who's just starting middle school. So this movie... um, which I always say, have you noticed how I often say it's a documentary? Because it feels so much like a documentary. Uh, I do. Yeah, I've said that a few times. I've said it doesn't grade. feel like a documentary to me, but it just seems like a really good, funny movie. But well, I, and it's not even filmed like a documentary because it's not like there's narration or anything. But it's I always low budget. Yes, it is. But I always feel like it's telling a real story. For sure. And and I think that, you know, kudos to Elsie Fisher, because the reason it feels like a real story is because she does such a good job. Mm -hmm. Um, She's so natural. She was uh, nominated for a Golden Globe. She was. I don't think she won, though. No, she did not. Um, I think the only awards that I remember the movie winning... Or I don't even know if it won any. I mean, besides that, it got on a top 10 list for one of the best movies of the year, which Mm -hmm. is huge in itself. But Bo Burnham, who, and we'll talk more about him later, but he wrote and directed this movie and he was nominated for a Writers Guild Award and Mm -hmm. a Director's Guild Award. So that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I don't really pay attention to any of the awards other than uh, the Golden Globes and the Academy Awards as far as movies. I know some people do. And And the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Yeah, I guess we we watched that. that. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say that's the third most important of the movie no, award shows? I'd say it's the second. You want to know why? Because I think Golden Globes is a little bit more of a popularity contest. All they ever say is thanks to the foreign press. Well, that's because it's the foreign press. It's Huffpa. That's who puts it on. Hollywood Huffpa. Foreign Press. Oh. Yeah. And that's a Check little... out you at the ac- acronyms. Well, I've been watching these shows a long time. And then the other one, uh, the Screen Actors Guild Awards, is a little more of an indicator of who will win the Academy Award because a lot of people on the Screen Actors Guild who are voting <clears throat> are the same people who on who are part of the Academy. Got it. So the, you know... The, but it's sometimes the same person, like Rami Malek, gets mm. all three. Boo. <laughs> Don't get me started on Rami Malek's <laughs> award season last year. Yeah, we did uh, one of our pop culturing episodes was about uh, A Star is Born, and we talked about how we thought Bradley Cooper should have won. Yeah, I, we were out with friends over drinks, and I started getting all heated up. About? Because I thought Bradley Cooper did a better job of everything than 
Rami Malek. Right. Even though Rami Malek did an incredible job. We walked out of that movie, and here we are talking about a completely different movie <laughs> on eighth grade, but we walked out of that movie saying that it was kind of... What did you say? What was the word you described to do? Um, I said it was campy and cheesy, but here's the thing. Okay, two things. Number one... First of all, what movie are we talking about? We're talking about Bohemian Rhapsody, okay. which I think... I have to differentiate some things here. First of all, I thought Rami Malek was incredible. I thought he was acted like Freddie Mercury. He sounded, well, saying he sounded like him is dumb because they dubbed yeah. it. But I thought he did an incredible job. So Rami Malek's acting stands alone. Yeah. It's really good. The movie went through a lot of different directors. The editing wasn't great, even though it won Best, best editing, editing, which is crazy. Um, so they did the best with what they had. And the movie had some, maybe it was supposed to be a little bit campy. I don't know. I, but regardless. It's very convenient for the makers. Like, oh, yeah, we wanted it to be campy. It just wasn't, it wasn't on the same level as the, Star is Born. The writing wasn't as good. But back to eighth grade. Yes. Um, so we wanted to talk about this movie because as all of pop culturing, you know, things that we choose, like as far as the movies we choose, it had an impact on us. For ourselves personally, because I could identify with her, mm -hmm. even though she's as young as she is. Sure. Um, and also because my children are around that age. Yep. And it, there was some, it, we can identify with her dad. For because sure. really, it's just she and her dad. Yes. And I was going to ask you a question, but after re-watching it with you last night, I realized, because I'm like, what happened to the mom? And then they say towards the end. She left. She left. And yeah. it kind of reminded me, I was going to save this, but I'll say it now, a uh, little pretty in pink action. Correct. Even though the dad in Pretty in Pink is just kind of a deadbeat. Yeah. And this dad is freaking amazing. Yes. I love this dad. Well, I even thought, it's funny that you say that because there's a few John Hughes things I want to throw in here. Number one, at the very beginning of the movie, when they're kind of introducing you, they still have the credits that are rolling at the beginning. It feels a little Ferris Bueller-ish. You know, when they're like focusing on the kids, smelling the marker, mm -hmm. and they're focusing yeah, right. on- There's like these, these yes. Or I'm maybe it's more like the beginning of 16 Candles. I said Ferris Bueller because I was thinking about when the guy was doing Bueller, Bueller, mm -hmm. and they're focusing in so tightly on the kids' faces. Yeah. But it's also, remember in 16 Candles, they do the same thing. Well, John Hughes has a knack for breaking the fourth wall where you look yes. in like Anthony Farmer- Farmer Ted talks look, to the screen, same as Ferris Bueller, and the, the the dots that get connected in this movie are these girls' YouTube videos, yes. which kind of she's not talking to us, the viewer, but she's talking to her audience of two subscribers, however many she has. You're so right. It's like they don't have to break the fourth wall because it's through YouTube, but she is breaking the fourth wall. Correct. This is getting well, good. Well, and I feel like jumping in, just talking about this young lady, I'm talking about the character, not the Elsie Fisher, Kayla. the actress. She's just a very optimistic, courageous, off-center, normal eighth grader, right? And I would also add to that um, anxious, yes, which I think a totally. lot of kids are. And we can sit here, you know, I'm a, I, I'm a therapist and I can sit here and say, oh, she has some kind of anxiety disorder. Mm -hmm. Or I can just say she's an eighth grade girl who feels a lot of nervousness. Now, she does a video toward the end of the movie where she actually decides to stop doing videos. Do you remember this mm -hmm. scene? And she said, I'm nervous all the time. Mm -hmm. She's like, I feel like I'm always standing in line for a roller coaster and I never get to enjoy the ride. So she may be saying my anxiety is a little more than I can take. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, but Bo Burnham, when he wrote this movie, he was writing it from his own perspective because he struggled with anxiety. So you kind of feel that it's a little more than possibly your for average sure. kid. Yep. 
possibly. I mean, these days, Todd, I don't know. Well, I found out on my research, which hopefully is true, he suffered a number of panic attacks. He did on stage. Yeah. I heard a really good interview with Bo Burnham, and I can't remember if it was on, it possibly was Fresh Air. I heard a lot of different interviews with him when this movie was kind of making the rounds. And he talked about how he still, before he goes out on stage, yeah. he's he's developed all these tools, so he won't have a panic attack. But he once you've had one and you and I have both had panic attacks before, mm. it can be pretty scary to go in front of an audience. Yeah. Um, you, you literally feel like you're going to die. Yes. So it's, and he used to be, and you probably have this era. He was a YouTube star. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was um, one of the, you know, first YouTube stars. One of the thing I realized in my random facts research was that, uh, the director, Bo Burnham cast her Elsie, Elsie, Elsie Fisher. Because she was the only one who felt like a shy kid pretending to be confident. Everyone else felt like a confident kid, kid pretending to be shy. That's awesome. Right? And she did. She did. Yeah. And she's just a... In the beginning, you don't really know what to make of this character. And then as the movie goes along, like she's she's got a little bit of you in her, sweetie. And she what does like that mean? writes these notes to herself yeah. and these positive affirmations. affirmations. And she's courageous and she does things even though they're hard to do. And there's a whole laundry list of things that we can say that happened in this movie to show what that was. Do you want to jump in a few well, of brave, courageous things? I'll, I'll kind of, I'll say, you know, what you just said about her positive affirmations. You really have to notice now that I've seen it three times and you've seen it two times, mm -hmm. you kind of start to notice the details. And at the very beginning, when she's going to take a picture of herself in bed, as kids do, like just kind of setting this up for everybody, um, you know, someone will take a picture of themselves like they just woke up, but really they've like gotten themselves beautiful and then took a picture. And it's like, oh, I just woke up this way. It's very like in Bridesmaids. Exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> Kristen Wiig. Um, like, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, but anyway, so but as she's doing her makeup, they kind of pan to her mirror. And mm -hmm. just like you said, Todd, it says things like, go for it. You know, you got this. There's actually one that says, be sexy. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a whole bunch of them. A whole like bunch of different of ones. And I, I want to, because it's so quick, you couldn't read them all. But yeah, she's, it's just a very honest portrayal of what it's like to be in eighth grade right now. And it's probably that much, not that much different than it was for us. It's just the totally. technology is a little different. Totally. Though. And that's kind of what this movie is about. And the positive, she's using you know, if you want to say self-help or positive affirmations or personal growth to kind of help her get through. And then do you remember what I told you last night about when she's doing that makeup tutorial, whose yes. tutorial it is? Do you yes, remember? Do you I write do. it down? Um, it's Lori Laughlin's daughter. Yes. Olivia Jade. Olivia, yeah. You, you're like, oh, it's Olivia Jade. I have no idea who Olivia Jade is. Well, the first time I saw the movie, obviously this Lori Laughlin thing, and for those of you, I'm sure everybody knows what we're talking about, but we're talking about the um, college scandal, yep. the college admission scandal. Lori Laughlin got her daughter, her daughters into USC, blah, blah, blah. One of them is Olivia Jade, and she is a YouTube star. She does makeup tutorials. Is Jade her middle name? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm already annoyed. <laughs> Why can't she just be Olivia Laughlin or something like well, that? Well, because Laughlin's not her last name. It's Massimo. Well, then she should be Olivia Massimo. Well, so did you know Isn't that... Isn't that right, Kathleen Marie? <laughs> That's not my middle name anymore. My I middle know. name's Kasani now. I know, but people would have been confused by I that. I know. You're right. Um, Start calling me Todd Jason. <laughs> She's a kid. We're trying on right. new things. But wait a second. Before you sure, move on, um, did you know that Lori Laughlin is married to the guy who 
does the clothes label for Target. So all those clothes like that, you know, our daughters buy occasionally that your mom used to love, all those sweatshirts. It's like M-O-S-S-I-M-O, mm. I think. But that's him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're doing all right He sells a lot of clothes. You think? But anyway... When she's doing this tutorial, I noticed that it happened to be Olivia Jade's um, YouTube. She doesn't have her channel anymore. Oh, FYI. really? Oh, yeah. It's been removed. It's, yeah. Well, no, you know, she was getting horrible uh. comments on it. So back to what you were saying about um, she does positive affirmations and she, like you said, has has some tools to develop her confidence. Mm-hmm. What, uh, give me another example in the movie that you thought of as far as, cause she's a courageous young yeah. character. Yeah. Which one did you like the best? Um, the one that stands out the most to me is her doing the karaoke. And the reason why I love that scene, um, mm-hmm. is because they, it, there's narration over her singing. So you don't need to hear her voice. Right. You don't need to decide whether or not she's a good singer. Cause that's irrelevant. Right. What it is is that she walks in that room after Aiden comes in and says, you know, everybody's in there. Right. Um, And she walks in the room. She picks up that microphone and she starts singing. And the best part about that is the kids looking at her Mm -hmm. because there's two girls who look at her with like kind of like, wow. Mm -hmm. Then there's two girls, Kennedy, who's having the party, who looks at her kind of like with disdain. Right. And then there's cute Gabe, who's just like- We're going to talk about Gabe. (laughs) Enamored Don't you worry about Gabe. (laughs) I freaking love Gabe. Um, But real quick, so I my favorite courageous moment is when she stands up to these two kind of like whatever, snotty eighth grade girls that are always looking at their phone. And it's when she's in her cap and gown. It's at the end, yeah. It's at the end, and this is what you hear. Hey, I, I, I wrote you that letter thanking you for inviting me to your birthday party, and you didn't write back or anything. I didn't even get a DM on like Instagram or whatever. And you know what? You're, you're always mean to me, and I'm always nice to you, and being mean isn't nice. And when someone does something nice to you, you're supposed to be nice back, and you're always mean to me. And I know I'm like a good person because I'm always nice to you, and you're just... And also that card game I got you is like a really fun version of Go Fish or whatever, and you'd actually know if you played it instead of trying to be cool all the time. I don't know. It's it's like dumb or whatever, but you know, it's dumb in a way that's fun to play when it's raining outside. And you know that if you stop trying to be cool all the time. And that's it. She walks (laughs) off. She just walks away. That's a great scene. It's a great scene because then after that she's like, you know, and they have a close-up of her face walking away from these two girls. And she's like nervous, like, what did I just do? And then there's this little momentary smile, like, I can't believe I just did that. And think about us as human beings, whether she's in eighth grade or she's 40, somebody's 47 years old, that took guts. Total guts. And I think that that, even in my own life, there's certainly people that I wish I would have the strength to stand up to for whatever reason. Yeah. And I don't do it. And this girl who doesn't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex, who is still a kid who is high on conformity from an age standpoint. Sure. That's why that's what makes her character special. Exactly. And that's a good release for us as the audience mm. because through the whole movie she's been trying really hard. It's not really just about trying to please Kennedy and her friend like 
she, it's not just about those two girls, but they do play a bit pretty significant role sure. in she's trying to, you know, she sh- she goes to her party, she gives her a note, she tries to talk to them, and they just could care less. Yeah, like because they just, she's not cool or she's not, doesn't look the same or whatever. And she knows it. Like, she and her dad are having a conversation at one point. He's like, oh, I heard you're going to Kennedy's party. <laughs> she's like, Kennedy doesn't, doesn't like me. Yeah. Like, she's totally self-aware. Yeah. This is not a girl who's a poser. Mm-hmm. She's not like, I'm trying to be like you guys. She's trying to say, can I be my myself and will you accept me this way which is a very different thing and there's another important part of that scene todd okay because you think she's going after aiden yes there's this boy in the movie that and actually this is where i want you to play what i pulled up for you okay here we go just push So this is the music that they played every single time that Aiden, Aiden came on the screen. It's funny because Aiden, you know, you think of like teenage movies, um, you know, Johnny from Karate Kid, like these really like kind of buff, good looking guys. <laughs> What's so special? I mean, he's got the cool factor. That's the best part is he's in eighth grade. Eighth grade boys are not developed. Yeah, They're right. not men. And that's why he's a perfect eighth grade boy. He's skinny. How did you find out the name of that song? Because I dug around to find it because it's it's so perfect. Like So every time you see this young man on, <laughs> on camera, that's the music that you first hear. And it's really fun. And it's funny. It's even more powerful than what you just yes. played because it's very quiet mm. in the movie. The mm. movie's super quiet. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it comes super loud and it'll like show him just like look up and yeah. then this music will play. And I laugh every time because I, as a girl, can relate to that feeling where you see, and, and boys probably feel this way sure. about girls or girls probably feel this way about girls and boys about boys. Like whoever you're attracted to, yeah. you have a moment where you're like, oh my God, like they shake your world. Mm-hmm. And he... She really is attracted to him like the rest of the class is. Yeah. And she, you know, even on one of her um, goal sheets that she's making, she says she wants a boyfriend and she puts in parentheses Aiden. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, she wants him to be her boyfriend. She practices kissing her hand. She does, among other things. Her dad almost catches her practicing kissing her hand, which is kind of a weird thing to, I don't know, it's just weird. What's weird? Not that... She just, it would have been, it, I feel like she didn't have to be worried that she just got caught doing something. Okay. It's so funny that you would say this because I tried to talk to you about this last night because I didn't think you understood that part deeply. And I was trying to say, have you ever had that experience? Kissed my hand? Well, it's not about the kissing of the hand. Here's what, here's what's happening in that moment. She is having sexual feelings. Mm-hmm. In such a way that she's actually acting on them. Yeah. You know, she's like kissing her hand and, and she pulls up his Instagram yeah. and is looking at it and she's kind of making out with her own hand. Mm-hmm. It's completely, you know, it's not hard to watch yeah. really. And then her dad walks in and seeing her dad's face yeah. is like makes oh, her feel. got it. He, well, she, it's like taking a cold shower. Ex- well, it, not only is like it taking- she's all excited and then her dad shows up and it removes any excitement or like just changes the world. Well, and I, for me, maybe that's what would happen to you if mm. like you were doing that and your mom walked in. Mm. For me, I'm embarrassed that I was thinking about sex mm-hmm. and then now Got I'm it. looking at my father. It does. I don't think he knows what I'm thinking, yeah. but it's such a, a change in your... Mm-hmm. You're embarrassed, and right. she threw her phone, yeah. and it cracked. Yes. Um, and so, to your point, it's not literal. She doesn't think her dad knows, but she's grossed out about the. I'm thinking about sex, and now I'm looking at my dad. It's gross, right? No doubt. 
Um, there's so many different scenes with the dad. And I don't know if we want to go here yet. Well, why don't you just talk about why did you like this dad so much? Because it was an honest portrayal. You know, when our kids are born, you know, when our kids start realize that we're human beings, um, you know, first they think that we were perfect. Right. And then they realize we're not. Right. We're just grown up kids, basically. Well, and then they think we're annoying. And then, then we're less than human yeah. beings. And, you know, she gives plenty of reason. It's funny because the dad is so understanding. He's the dad that I want to be in many mm. ways because if my kids talk to me the way that she talks to him, I don't think I would have as much patience as he does. Mm -hmm. So in that way, he is, I don't think he's a weak character no, at all. No, gosh, no. Um, and, and that's why I feel like I wish I had as much patience because he knows that he um, has, first of all, he's a single dad. Yeah. So I can't even begin to comprehend what it's like to be a single parent at all. But he has these uh, moments where he just it's easy to love somebody who's being loving towards you. It's really hard. So think about your own relationships. It's really hard to be loving towards somebody who's being nasty towards you. Mm -hmm. And somehow he finds a way to do that. So that's why I liked him. I mean, there's many reasons why I liked him, but that's one of them. And there's so many, like I feel like playing every single clip that the dad right. ever does, but I'm not going to do that. But that's why I liked him. Well, and me too. And I think that he knows that he's her sun and moon. Like he knows that he has to be both parents to her. Yes. And he knows that what she's going through is normal it, and that he is trying to listen. Like there's so many indicators of how earnest he is. And one of them that I realized last night when we watched it was kind of moving on from kissing her hand. There's a moment when she has a banana and she's mm -hmm. kind of trying to figure out if oral sex is something that she would want to do, know how to do, and she's kind of holding a banana right. when he walks in the door. And again, it's in a, it, she's embarrassed again holding this banana. And she, he says to her, is that a banana? And she said, yeah. Do you want to hear it? Oh, do you have it? Yeah, oh, I'm so glad. Good. Hey, you know who I ran into today? Do you remember that guy who... Is that a banana? What? You're having a banana? Oh, this. I, I was just grabbing a banana. I thought you hated bananas. No. I swear, like a month ago, I asked you if you wanted a banana, and you got all angry at me, and you said, you hate bananas, and I always forget that you hate bananas, and <laughs> I actually think I wrote a note down about it on my app then, so I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to his phone. Like, I think he thinks he might be crazy. He is. He's like, wait a second. And it's such a beautiful parenting moment because he's like, you got all mad at me. Right. So For I'm asking if you want a banana. Right. And so I made a note mm -hmm. that you don't like bananas right. because you were mad that I didn't remember. Like, that's, you know, as parents, we're just trying to navigate these people and he's trying to do it and she's making him feel crazy. She makes him very, she, she is not easy. No eighth graders are easy. Well, that's not true. That's a that's a broad. Do you really feel no eighth graders are, are easy? I think just being in eighth grade by definition is it's just a challenging time in somebody's life transitioning from kidhood to adulthood. Yes, that is true. I I agree with that. I think that the maybe what I wanted to say instead of all eighth graders are challenging, which can sometimes be this general statement where we're like, oh, they're all going to be jerks, which mm -hmm. I don't believe at all. Sure. I think eighth graders no, no. are really self-aware yeah. and super introspective. Like when my daughters 
were in a, you know, like I said, one of my daughters just finished eighth grade and it was probably her most self-aware year, Mm -hmm. which I think is part of the reason Bo Burnham chose this year to do a movie about it because there really is like a opening and awakening from childhood to teenage years or to young adulthood where they see everything through a different light. Right. And I all, and I want to even acknowledge there's a scene, uh, when they're at the dinner table. Yeah. Do you have that scene pulled up too? Uh, yeah. And the reason why is because she's not very nice to him, mm-hmm. but, and you may play this part, but there's a moment where she says, you said on Fridays, yeah, I could do whatever I wanted to do, which means she's on her phone. Right. So she's not on her phone all the time. Right. Friday night is time that she can do whatever she wants. And so when in that moment where we're watching it, we may think to ourselves, oh, she's such a spoiled brat. She's on her phone. They're at dinner. But they make a point of saying. They made an agreement. They made an agreement. So, so you can go so ahead and play bef- that. So before, you won't hear this part, but he's like, can I just say one thing? <laughs> and then he starts rambling. Okay. Not great. I'm not saying you have to be best friends with Kennedy Graves. And I know this is going to sound lame. I just think you're a really special person. Dad. And I know it's like, you know, all dads think that. And I, I, but I, even if I wasn't your dad, I would still think that. I would. I'm sorry. Dad, I'm th- sorry. Dad, this, I would. Dad, this is and more just, than one I, thing. It's a, it's a chunk of things. Ugh. And I know it's like, Dad, shut up. Duh, shut up. I get it. Please, I get it. But I'm actually not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm saying it to make you feel better. You know what would make me feel better? What? Is if you let me go on my phone. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Do your thing. That is not easy. No. And he is trying to love her somehow. He's figuring it out. And so so I don't want to... go too far away from the dad because I think you and I can both relate to him, especially you. The first time I saw the movie, I went with some of my girlfriends and we saw it in the theater. And as I was watching it, I only thought about you. Mm -hmm. I was like, Todd is going to love this dad because he's such a good man. And I think you're a good man and you're a good dad and you're always trying new things, but they don't always work. And sometimes they land really flat. No no doubt. So like that scene. But I want to talk about her... um, her social networking and her phone sure. for a second. Okay. Because that's a huge part of this movie. Yeah. And, you know, as I was saying about him choosing eighth grade and why Bo Burnham decided to focus, you know, what anxiety looks and feels like on an eighth grade girl. Cause like I said, he wrote this about him, you know, it was his experience with anxiety and then she becomes the central character. And it's because, you know, this is a really, eighth grade is a super pivotal time, you know, like it's when you're starting to um, see yourself, acknowledge yourself. And he pointed out in an in interview that he started looking, when he decided to have her have a YouTube channel, he decided to start looking at YouTube channels, like what are the girls and the guys doing on YouTube? Because mm-hmm. he wanted to see the language and yeah. their voices. And he said, this is so great. He said, what I realized is that boys in eighth grade talk about Minecraft mm-hmm. and girls in eighth grade talk about their souls. Mm. Isn't that so true? Well, it's totally revealing too. Yes. Girls talk about real stuff, not necessarily the best way. They don't do it the best, but they're having substantial or substantive, you know, important conversations. Yeah. And the boys, I think, in my opinion, are conditioned and that's beat out of them and they work on the shallow stuff. And I agree with that. And I also agree with they, they mature mm-hmm. slower. Sure. You know, there's girls in eighth grade who are coming into themselves a little early, like, you know, looking at her, like, 
Kayla is a very uh, typical girl, yeah. but she has gone through puberty. At yeah. least it seems like it. Whereas we were just talking about Aiden. Mm-hmm. Aiden's still this scrawny kid. Yeah. You you could have told me he was in sixth grade and I right. would have believed you. Yeah. So not only are they not as physically For developed, sure. but they're not as emotionally developed. And the other point that Bo Burnham made about the social networking is um, he said that, so do you remember, and maybe you can pull this up, he uses the song um, Ornico Flow by um, Enya. Okay. So just pull up that song. How do you spell Ornico? Uh, O-R-I-N-C-O, Ornico. Um, just put in Enya Flow and it should pop up All right. as a song. So. He used this song in the movie. Yeah, if you've got it, go ahead and just play it. Oh, I didn't know this was Enya. Yeah. So the reason he chose this song, because he really put thought to when I'm doing the montage of having her scroll through her phone, mm-hmm. he's like, I need to somehow acknowledge that this experience is spiritual for her, mm. that looking at other people's lives and getting distracted from her own is a spiritual experience, mm. as it is for all kids. Like, I think why I appreciate his perspective as a director is he's a young guy, and he's from this generation pretty much. Like, I don't know if he's Y, if he's Generation Y or Generation Z, but he understands their connection to social networking and that her scrolling through feels spiritual, and he really wanted to use an Enya song, and he wrote to Enya personally. Oh, really? Yeah, and he asked if he could use it, and um, obviously the answer was yes, and he ended up using it in the trailer mm-hmm. too. Um, so I like that idea that some – and can't uh, – here's the thing. We can sit here and say, oh, kids, they scroll through. It's a spiritual experience. I do it. Mm-hmm. Don't you scroll through sometimes? And depending on what – I don't have a very negative news feed. I have a really – fantastic and empowering news feed, meaning that yeah. anytime someone's being negative, I usually hide them. So the things I see are really inspirational to mm-hmm. me. So it is a spiritual experience. For it sure. feels good. It's like, you know, oh, this person, this is happening, or this is happening in the world, or this good person is doing this. And it, I can relate to her. And you also, it's a numbing out. You get to escape your life for a little bit. So I really appreciate the way he, he used that song. Um, I agree with you. It's funny. Whenever, if I ever hear that song again, the first thing I'm going to think about is the movie Eighth Grade. Yeah. Like I, it's in the trailer. It's, I, I'm sure they play it like eight times in the movie yeah. every time she's looking at her phone. Yeah. Um, but they have an interesting exchange, the high school boys and the high school girls and the uh, Kayla, the character, have that exchange about generational stuff. Yes. Do you want me to play that? <laughs> do you have it? I Good. Do. So just to set up. Sure. So there's a point in the movie where Kayla, she's going to high school next year, obviously. So she shadows someone from a high school. And the girl that she shadows is awesome, yeah. by the way. She's great. She's so good to Kayla, which that's another reason this surprise. movie is good. because you're surprise. like You just thought something bad's going to happen and it, well, with her. And with it her. does, right, right, but not with the girl. And so she ends up socializing with this girl. And this is the scene where she's with this girl and her friends. Huh? You look bored. I'm not bored. Trev, stop. What? No, I'm not judging her. It's fine. We're boring of her. She's a different generation than us. She's, she's right not a different generation. Yeah, she is. She's four years younger than us. I mean. Okay, but people who are like four years older than us felt like fucking 50 years old. That's like blatantly not Your true. sister? My sister just sucks. Okay, but like on top of that, she didn't have Twitter in middle school and we did. That made us different. Kayla, you're not different than us. Well, yeah. When did you get Snapchat? What grade? 
Wait, so were kids like sending each other like nudes in like fifth grade? Yo, like, okay, that is a weird question. It's just funny to hear the, you know, I think of all these kids as exactly the same. And they see like huge differences between the, you know, themselves and this eighth grade girl. And and really, if you if they there is a there huge is, difference. Right. And Todd, like, okay, our daughter, our oldest daughter, JC, just got back from camp yesterday, mm-hmm. and she did this thing called LIT. It's leaders in training, where it's just basically a bunch of sixteen-year-olds. It's co-ed guys, girls, and they're like doing team building for two weeks, and it's amazing. Or she loved it, and. But occasionally they go into the regular camp and they're with the younger kids, right? right? And they're helping and everything. And she was saying to me, I remember being a younger camper mm. and seeing the LITs and being like, oh, oh my, my God. God. And then now she is. And now she is. And yeah. and you think to yourself, but okay, like some of the trucker girls are only like 13 or 14. You're not that much older than them, but you are. Like I remember being a freshman in high school and the senior girls were like women. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah, for sure. Like you just couldn't Same even as the imagine. Dudes. The dudes got like they're huge and they got these big beards and you know it's just weird as a freshman high school boy seeing these huge guys. I know. You know. Anyways, but it's funny in that scene where he's like, "See," like mm-hmm. he's so trying to prove. Well, his it's point. such a good high school debate argument I about know. it. So I want to take a deep dive into one of the most um, tough scenes in the movies, yes. which is the back of the car. Yeah. Do you want to, what, what are your thoughts sure. about that one? Just to set it up, it actually is good to come right after this because she, Kayla is with, uh, she's shadowing this girl, Olivia and Olivia's girlfriend and then two guy friends. So it's the five of them. And then when they leave the mall, um, that's where they've been hanging out. It's Olivia and Kayla and this boy Riley, who's driving the car. And um, you know, they're all going home. And Olivia says, why don't you drop Kayla off first? And he's like, well, Olivia, you know, he's like, your house is right here. And Kayla's like, that's okay. He can drop me off second. So Olivia gets dropped off, um, which is a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she doesn't know that no. we don't blame her. Right. Um, but these are the kind of things that we have to remember. Um, and you know what, Todd, I'm saying that's a mistake, but if I was Olivia, I wouldn't have thought that because Riley's one of her best friends. Well, and I also think Riley probably took the, I think this was his plan from the beginning. Do you? Yes. Okay. I think he took the route so that he can drop Olivia off first and then he was going to try to make some weird move on this eighth grade girl. So what Riley does is he drops off Olivia and then not too far up, he pulls over the car because he's, cause Kayla's in the back seat and he says, it's kind of weird that you're in the back seat. She's like, I'll get to the front. He's like, no, I'll come to the back. So he pulls over the car, puts the car in park and comes to the back seat and you know, it's not going to be good. And I remember the first time seeing this and being like, God, like, you know, I don't know. Do you have any clips? Are you playing a clip? I can't, I, I didn't plan on it. Let's not. Okay. Um, but this is how I'll try and sum it up. The interesting thing is he doesn't touch her. Right. But she's completely violated. Yeah. And this is I this is the other scene after I saw it the first time when I came home and said to Todd, this is boys need to see this. Yeah. And girls need to see it so they can recognize how this has happened to them. But it's not all about having your body touched. Yeah. It's about being violated in a sense of trust in feeling like you're being pressured to do something before you're ready, um, and then being blamed Mm -hmm. when you don't want to. So basically, just to like summarize, he kind of talks her into truth or dare. Truth or dare, right. He takes his shirt off. He asks her to do it. He asks her to do it. She says no. She's very strong. Yeah. Not strong in a a stereo, not strong in a movie kind of way, but in a teenage girl kind of way, like a no, I'm not ready. 
So he goes to the front seat of the car and he blames her. Mm-hmm. He says, I was trying to help you. I was doing this for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted you to be ready for high school and now you're not going to be. And now you're going to. A little victim blaming. Completely. And A- eighth grade style. Eighth grade style. And it's very hurtful. Um, most women, including myself, have heard that, you know, in some shame, some way, shape or form. It's funny. I'm glad you're bringing this up because next time I'm in front of a bunch of eighth graders, I'm pulling this freaking clip up and we're going to talk about it. Wow. What happened? Nothing happened. Actually, everything happened. Yeah. You know? Dude, you'd have to get permission. This is a rated R movie. Yeah. I'll figure something out. But uh, she, when you're like, she was violated, I'm like, she was afraid. Uh That's enough. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be bodies touching other bodies. Well, and when I use the word violated, the sense the trust was violated. And then she was shamed for her decision to not participate. So these are violations of trust. Yeah. And then she, I don't know if she blamed herself or not, but she came home crying. Crying. Of course she did. That poor dad had no idea how to, you could, that's why this, that's why I love his dad so much because you see him struggling. Mm-hmm. He's like trying to touch her, but not too much to like connect with her. Um, there's another really special part uh, when she's burning uh, the box, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that's called, the time capsule yeah. thing from her fifth grade. Her fifth grade self gave her a, an eighth grade, gave her a box to open when she's in eighth grade. And the dad, I might play a clip of it, the dad is struggling with the words to say the right thing. Mm-hmm. And and the box burning part, he says the exact right thing. Yes. But that when she comes home crying from this event that happened in the car, he, there's nothing he could have done. No. And she, you have to remember that this scene, not only, okay, so you've got to, you've got to take the whole movie into account. First of all, she's been thinking about sex and even has this conversation with Aiden about oral sex where she's kind of, this is coming into her consciousness as a thing, Mm -hmm. right? And so she's been thinking about it, um, which all eighth graders do, by the way. We could go on our, you know, tangent about why sex, talking to our kids about sex is so important. But, and then she's in this situation where she feels like I did this. I said that he could drop Olivia off first. And then she probably is thinking about the fact that when they were sitting at the mall, she says to him at one moment, I used to be quiet too. And Mm -hmm. she's trying to relate to Riley. And this is what ends up happening to women and girls is we blame ourselves for what someone does to us. Now, part of that, there's a lot of, you know, collective unconsciousness with that. Um, But that's also societal. I mean, look at what's going on in our society right now. Sure. there's this great, I, I have to bring this in. Um, so E. Jean Carroll, mm-hmm. who is a writer, um, a advice columnist, just came out, um, you know, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, but a while back and said that she was raped by our president. Okay. It didn't get as much news as you think something like that would get. <laughs> Which is a whole nother That's a whole topic nother thing. podcast. She was the 22nd person to say that he sexually assaulted her, you know, that 22nd person who stepped forward and say this person sexually assaulted me. But let me put that to the side. Her story on the daily. Did you listen to that? The New York times. Okay. Why that story is so important is because at when they, when they first meet the day that he, you know, assaults her, she's laughing. She's talking to him. She's kind of like, this is so fun. Almost flirtatious. Oh, a hundred percent flirtatious. She would use that word. Yeah. 100% 100% flirtatious. They're having a good time. Um, she thinks this is so crazy that she's with Donald Trump mm. and that, you know, and he, you know, they're talking, he's trying to get a gift for someone and they're talking about lingerie and they're in the dressing room. She's laughing. 
and he pushes her up against a wall and she's still kind of laughing. Mm-hmm. But then he assaults her. He mm-hmm. rapes her. Mm-hmm. And at that point, she's there's like a, whoa, wait a second. There's a, there's a moment where a switch got turned. A switch got turned where it went from flirtation to something very different. And it was its power and its assault. Okay. Yeah. But she, in this interview that Todd and I are talking about on, it was on the daily, which the New York times puts out, there's two women that she called right away after mm. this happened, who they're on this interview yeah. with her. And when she tells the first woman, the first woman's like, he raped you. And she's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Call the police. Yeah. And call the police. And she's like, no, no, I, I, she was a part of it. I was, a, I did that. I was flirting with him, whatever. I put myself in this position. I put myself in this position. And, you know, and then the second woman she tells says, don't tell anybody because right. he will tear Poor you apart. Opposite advice. My point in sharing this story is this this situation, this eighth, you know, Kayla in the back of the car, this will not be the last time this happens to her. I and, I, and I hate to say that. It's something Todd and I with raising three girls, um, this is something we talk about a lot with the girls. And I talk to Todd a lot about this. So he has an understanding of how these things occur yeah. and how girls get blamed if they get blamed. I mean, you know, things that have gone on in our own communities for wearing yoga pants. Yeah. You're making boys feel something. Yeah. It's your fault. You change. Well, I was just talking actually to Cameron yesterday about this. I There's this kind of moment of where we were having good conversation and somehow we stumbled on this topic. We're at Noodles and Company of all places. Wow. And I said, uh, there was a blog I read a while ago. I don't remember where it was, but it was like, if a daughter gets sexually assaulted, they're, they're really fearful to tell their dad. Th- their dad. Right. And they, and I, I don't... Because it'll hurt their dad. Right. Yeah. And I, what I said to Cameron explicitly, I was like, first of all, you and your sisters are probably going to end up going to college. And I said, the stats say that one out of three girls are going to be assaulted on college campus. So do the math. This is, this might happen to one of you or your two sisters. Or you may be in a situation where you may, even if it doesn't happen, you know something's going down the wrong path. So I said, if and when this ever happens to you, I just know that it's not your fault. I can handle whatever it is and that you need to tell me or mom or somebody that's that, that you trust. Mm-hmm. I just need to explicitly say that. And I said that to one out of the three so far. I got two more to go and mm-hmm. we're going to keep, keep having that conversation. Mm-hmm. But this is exactly the type of thing. And I don't remember when I stumbled on that blog, that one where daughters will not tell their dads right. because I don't, I'm still trying to piece together why they're more, more worried about their dad's heart being broken mm. because something happened to her. Yeah. And then they're afraid their dad won't look at them the same yeah, way, right. especially if they're raped. Right. Um, it's in, and again, all assaults are well, traumatizing. Right. Um, but it's one thing to say, you know, the experience that happened to Kayla, which is traumatizing. Yeah. And then another story of where someone rapes well, you. When you talk about the collective unconscious, you go to different cultures. If a woman gets raped, that woman is discarded Absolutely. from society. Killed, sometimes yeah. murdered yeah. because she takes, that disrupts the honor of the family. Yes. The so woman is So maybe there's blamed. like a, some uh, unconscious... I don't know. And it's also the relationship a father can have with a daughter where it's very much like, oh, you're my princess or you're my perfect girl. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden something happens to you and you feel like I'm not his perfect girl. Because Todd, take into account the piece that we're talking about with eighth grade. She thinks it's her fault. E. Jean Carroll, when this happened to her, believed she forced that to happen. Now, there are men and women who would look at that situation and say, yeah, you did. Right. You you made him think he could do that. Let me be clear for everybody. 
flirtation is very different than somebody forcing you into a sexual act. They are not one in the same. And flirtation does not give permission for that to happen. Consent is enthusiastic decision-making from both parties that they're interested in this. It's not you flirted with me, therefore I get to touch you or violate you. That th- This is a misconception. This is Todd's, you can explain the work you do in the world. Well, it's an enthu- consent for me, as I've learned it from some of my teachers, it's a enthusiastic yes. Whereas yeah. growing up, I was always taught to go as far as you can until they say no. And then if you stop when they say no, then you're a good man. So explain what you do in the world though. What's your work? I work with uh, men and boys and teach them healthy masculinity. Mm-hmm. I have a men's group, virtual and in person. I work with boys anywhere between fourth grade all the way up through high school and teach them what healthy masculinity is. And one of the foundations of that is consent because it's something that... I was never taught. Uh, It's now finally something that's even available. Our parents didn't teach it because they didn't even know it was a thing. Mm -hmm. And now it's at least a thing. Now we got to explicitly say this to our young boys and young girls. And I, the... I work with women and girls and I talk to them about having a voice, about speaking up, about not being ashamed, about not feeling that they have to do things, about recognizing that um, how they relate to the situation. Again, I'm not saying how they made something happen, yeah. but can't are there choices that you can make that can decrease the odds of this happening? And if you make all the choices and something, all the choices, whatever that means, meaning you're, you're doing pretty well, things are going along, and then you feel like um, someone is harming you or that you're being violated or assaulted, that you speak up and that you not only in that moment speak up, but that you can tell people afterwards. So Todd and I work on both sides. You know, there is the women having an understanding of their own voice, and then there's the men understanding what consent means. Yeah. And and again, as our friend Mike Domish, who is a, also a sex educator and talks about, uh, you know, rape and mm-hmm. assault. He wrote a book called Can I Kiss You? This is not a gender-specific thing. No. This is girls and girls and boys and boys. Girls and pursuing boys. Exactly. This is not just about men are coming after girls all yeah. the time. But statistically, yeah. and this is what Todd and I always have to say, statistically, this is the issue that is happening the most. Yeah. We need to talk about it in a non-gender-specific way, for sure. But we also need to recognize we got to deal with the, you know, the highest rate mm-hmm. of where this is occurring. So- that scene is very powerful, and I think all parents should see this movie, and yes. we really wanted our girls to sit down and watch it with us. Wah, wah. <laughs> they were not interested. They'll watch it in their own time, though. I don't know, man. I asked like two months ago. I, I, know. I Our two older ones. I haven't asked Skylar yet, but I don't know if JC's watched it, but Cameron just does, is not interested. I think she said it hits too close to home right now. Isn't that what she said? I understand if they don't want to watch it with me or you, but just watch it by yourself as a favor so we can have a discussion. A but favor. <laughs> watch this movie some, as a favor. Hey, man, I will bribe my kids to try to get them to do something that I think is in their best interest. But, you know, I have baggage because I remember my dad saying, Kids come down, we're watching a 2020 on drunk driving. And I used to like roll my eyes and it didn't land. Right. And wh- when you say you bribe your kids, what does that mean? Well, I want to, but I don't. I was going to say, you. that's not a... I want to say I'll buy ice cream if you watch this show, but I don't do that because it's not under our parenting philosophy. But there's times when I wish I could. Well, and there's times that we subtly cajole. 
Yeah, we nudge. <laughs> we do our share nudging. Um, I want to play one more clip from sure. his dad. Sorry about it, but it's just so good. And it's like a seven-minute scene, which I'm obviously not going to play. But it's towards the end when she's burning that box. Okay, yeah. And the dad is trying to find the words of what he can say to the, his daughter. Because the two things is she's burning this box because it's full with her hopes and dreams and she realizes that she is not meeting the potential she thought she and would. And the dad's like, why are you burning the box? <laughs> why He's got no that? idea. He's like, this is a good thing? Yeah, like... Um, and then she also asks him very outright, do I make you sad? Right, and I'm not going to play that part. I'm going to play a little bit after that, but okay. his... his I, I don't think so. I think he... Um, he says, of course you don't make me sad. Like you're I think he's shocked by the question. And maybe I'm going to play it. I don't know. I don't know which part this is. Kayla, always beneath all that, I am always just so unbelievably happy that I get to be your dad. I think when mom left, I was really scared. I was really, really scared. I, I'm scared you were going to be okay. And then you started to get older and you got, I don't know, you took your first steps and you said your first words and you made your first friend. All the things I thought I was going to have to uh, teach you, how to be nice, how to uh, share, how to care about other people's feelings. You just started doing that on your own. You know, your teachers would always say to me, you've got such a lovely daughter. You've done such a great job with her. But I didn't do anything. I really didn't. I really didn't. I just watched you. So a few seconds later, she finally embraces her dad. She gives her dad the love that that he deserves because we all deserve love. But she gets vulnerable. She drops... Her. Right, because I don't think that's for him. She's not trying to say. She's trying to. She, she falls. She's able to fall apart because of what he said. And he convinced her that she has inherent self worth. Yes. Without doing that's whatever the, it, it is that she does. Yes. And that's what we all need to hear. I know. And he did that. So dads out there, if you don't know what to say to your daughter, watch this part in eighth grade, copy it, memorize it, and just say it. No. I'm telling you. You can't copy someone else's words and say them. You have to- Copy s- it and then make them your own. You have to speak from the heart. But that's but what he does, is that question throws him off enough that he's not on script. Yeah. That the question of, do I make you sad, is so the opposite of how she makes him feel. Mm-hmm. Because what he sees is what we see as a viewer. She's so nice- She's so courageous. She's so creative. She's such a she's such a good-hearted person, and he knows it. And so he's so confused by the question. Yeah. And that's a huge turning point because it's right after that that she's able to. You think that they're, you know the scene where they're all in the hallway and their caps and gowns, and Aiden walks by. You think she's going to approach Aiden, but really she approaches Kennedy and this other girl. And that's when she does that scene that yeah. you already played, where yeah. she yells at them, and you realize she's ready for the next chapter of her life. Mm-hmm. And instead of feeling sorry for her, that's why I don't like that description that she had this disastrous middle school experience yeah. because actually she grew into herself, sure. and she realizes she makes a time capsule for herself for you know that she's going to open when she's a senior and she said if college or if high school is not what you expected that's okay right um you're going to be all right and then she says my favorite quote in the movie Mm. which is i'm so excited to be you 
I mean, what a great sentence. Because if we're trying to be somebody else, we're never going to make it. No. And, and we all play roles and we all like take on characters and we all have different personas. I get that. That's part of being human. But the bottom line is, is that all of that is supposed to help us uncover who we are. Sure. It's not about, I'm always going to play this role. It's, oh, this role doesn't work for me or, oh, I tried this. And, you know, I, I say this to parents all the time, like when their children are trying something new or maybe not being nice and you know, if a child is not nice chronically, obviously there's an issue, but sometimes children will have a moment where they're not nice or they hit or they, and they have to try on these different personas. You don't know, you don't know goodness until you've felt experienced and, and, and modeled badness. Exactly. So the last person we need to talk about is our buddy Gabe. Gabe, which I got two scenes (laughs) set up for him. Tell me which one you want me to play. The one by the pool or the one where he's on the date. There's, there's too many people in the pool for a handstand. (laughs) Um, let's do the date one because that's date. more that's more can audio. I, can sure, I set please. up how she meets him? Yeah. So again, Kayla goes to this swimming party for Kennedy, this popular girl, and she's so brave to even go into the party. She basically almost has a panic attack in the bathroom. But she goes into the party and she's just sitting in the pool. No one's talking to her. But this kid Gabe swims up with his mask on and is just as quirky and 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 weird as you can and i'm saying weird with love you know just so different and but also courageous right yeah because he's approaching sure. her yes he's got more guts than i did when i was in eighth grade right and going so up he, to a girl you don't know totally and he approaches her and they do a you know hold your breath contest and blah 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 and then he ends up dming her later and they connect through instagram and then toward the end after this conversation with her dad she um gives Gabe, it sounds like they have a hangout. So this is what happens. One quick trivia about Gabe, yes, played by right. a guy named Jake Ryan. Jake Ryan, how how interesting. Talk about 16-year-old movies. He remarked that in the screenplay, screenplay Gabe was supposed to be off-centered, and not knowing the meaning of this phrase, he played himself. Oh. So this could be the way Gabe, Jake Ryan is, and if it is, that's awesome. Are, are you understanding how funny it is that his name is Jake Ryan? I know, 16 Candles. I know, but that's, so this kid is so awesome. Yes. Okay. So this is his, uh, whatever, hangout. This is their date. Wow. Thank you. Would you like to uh, take a seat? Oh, uh, sure. Cool. You, uh, you like chicken nuggets, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I got a 20-piece, and I also got two of every kind of sauce. But, you know, if you have a favorite sauce and want more than one packet of it, you can have mine. I like all the sauces equally. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, and the nuggets have been sitting out for a little bit because, you know, I didn't know when you'd be here. So just, uh, you know, tell me if they're too cold and I can heat them up in the microwave over there, okay? Okay. Yeah. Oh, whoops, sorry. I left this out by accident. Sorry, so stupid. Uh, no problem. You want to see it? No, wait, no, it's stupid. Sure. Okay, yeah. Cool. What is it? Oh, well, I go to archery camp every summer, and last summer I got five bullseyes in a day, so, you know, they gave me the Sharpshooter of the Week award. That's actually really cool. Nah, not really. It's, it's stupid. Um, I didn't think it's really cool, but, yeah. Nah, well, I think it's stupid. Gabe thinks it's stupid. But he doesn't. And, no, of course he, he doesn't. He left it on the table he left for it on her table. to see. Well, that's what's funny. Like, he wants to impress this girl that he likes, and <laughs> it's just so transparent. It's so funny. It's so beautiful. And let's, again, let's talk about the deep 
scene with Riley that happened about 10 minutes before this scene. It's a great example of of there are people who will respect and honor you and love you as you are and not force you to do anything you don't want to do. And it's just such a great moment um, as far as just seeing her with, she happens to, you know, I don't know if she and Gabe will be friends or boyfriend and girlfriend. It doesn't really matter. It's not about, will they be romantic? It's about, she's with somebody who's just as quirky and, and a little anxious, but so lovely. No doubt. I know, and uh, yeah, Gabe is just a rock star. Because the next question he asks her, I think, is, "Do you believe in God?" And, <laughs> and then she's like, "Um, yeah. yeah." And then he comments that the forks are Star Wars lightsaber forks. Like he's trying and then, so hard. I gotta play it. <laughs> Am I being weird at all to you? Like uh, no, Earl. Yeah, I'm okay. Good. You're, I'm you're just, fine. I'm just nervous. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. Um, I am too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, am I being like quiet or oh, too no like? Way. Okay, am You're, I like talking pretty, enough? You've been pretty talkative, but not in like okay. an annoying way. Just uh, <laughs> just responding to me. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I just oh my god. I mean, they're just so accepting of each other. Yeah. And then a moment after that, you know, there he says, "We are having a great conversation," <laughs> and then he says, "You're so awesome." Yeah. And she's like, "Thank you." It's just Isn't such... that what every person wants to know. Oh. <sighs> And this is the thing is sometimes we try and we're more worried about being liked by a group of people that that don't deserve our attention in the first place. Mm. And I understand. Here's the thing. We've all been in middle school. We've all been in high school. We all know that certain groups and being popular is important. And don't try and convince your children that it's not important because it's part of their development. Mm. If for you to say, oh, it doesn't matter if you're popular or not, they know you're bullshitting them. Like, it does matter. And I don't mean it matters like they should be. I mean, to say that social to say that these that social status doesn't help your life yeah. is a lie. Yeah. Um, but within the social status, you can find your place where you don't have to be the person considered most popular, but you can find friends or a friend. It, really, all you need is one good friend right. who knows you and respects you for who you are. And you can not only manage, but enjoy your life and your time. The lie that we tell kids is that, you know, that it doesn't matter. But then the truth we forget to share is it does matter, but you can still find your place inside of that. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. We love Gabe. So, um, I just have a few things. I don't know if you have more that you want to share, but what do you think think, uh, this, I I don't, this movie's not as much fun to think about as far as the next question is what happens next? Mm. Like, what do you think happens to Kayla? Um, I don't know. I, I think, think she's going to be fine. So do I. She's still going to have struggles. Like it, it, you know, nothing's fairy, you know, fairy tale ending. It's not like she's not going to still be challenged or, or, you know, girls are going to be mean to her. Boys may be mean to her. She might get in, you know, someone will break her heart. She's going to have a life experience just like all of us do. But she has a lot of what a lot of, she, she carries a self-awareness and a, a confidence mm-hmm. That maybe you can't visually see, but you can, because of this movie, you know she Well, and she even has a piece on, like, the only way to be brave is to have fear, which is weird. Whereas most of us think that being brave means the absence of fear. You can't be brave without it. And she also says courage isn't something you're born with. It's Mm. something you do. It's practice. It's practice. You have to show up and do things. Courage. It's not like that person's courageous and that person's not. Courage is, it's just like love. Mm -hmm. You know, the word love, we talk about, you know, oh, love just means this feeling. No, love is an action. It's, it's a, a verb. verb. It's yeah. something you do. 
Um, so I think the dad probably finds a, a partner, don't you think? I think so. I hope so. He deserves it. He's a great dad. Um, I think Gabe is going to join the Dungeons and Dragons uh, club <laughs> Like fast, you, sweetie? Like I did. Would when... you have been friends with Gabe? I am Gabe. Well, that's the thing. No, I'm, you're not Gabe. I'm the dad. I'm Gabe. I'm Kayla. We all are you're everybody. Right. Good point. I'm also point. The, the snotty phone girls. Me too. We're everybody in this movie. We see a piece of ourselves in every single one. I know. One. Are you Aiden? I'm Aiden. I know. You had, a, you had a window of Aiden in your life for sure. Of course. Just depends on the group I'm around. I know. That's right. Sometimes when I'm with Todd, and this happens the whole time I've been with Todd, but people approach him all the time about that he looks like famous people, either Christopher Reeve, Superman, Clark Kent, Tom Cruise. <clears throat> yeah. Not like, a bad, not bad company. I know. And so, yeah, I mean, so you, you have that experience all the time. So um, another kind of observation I had this. This movie kind of reminded me of Boyhood in a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. In that nothing happened. I know, but everything happened. But everything happened. Mm-hmm. It's just very realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, the one part of the movie I didn't buy, there's a part where a kid is masturbating in class. Uh-huh. Come on, dude. Do you think he was kidding, though? That's a Possibly. scene. Okay, so first of all, they're watching, it's like a sex ed class. They're watching a video about sex ed. Kayla looks over at this kid. It looks like he's masturbating. And then there's this kid who's like, are you masturbating? He's like, no. So that could him, that's a total joke. Would, it might be if it was a class clown, but you would, unless you're a class clown, you would not expose yourself to the possibility of having that. But he's under his shirt. He's <laughs> under his shirt. <laughs> and he's got his phone under there. He needs a new system. Let's just say that. <laughs> he needs a door. He needs a door. Um, <laughs> Um, a few random facts. Uh, I think I said most of them. It was listed as one of former U.S. President Barack Obama's favorite films of 2018. You know who else said it was one of her favorite films? Um, Molly Ringwald. So when this movie first came out, Molly Ringwald, who we all know from Mm -hmm. our own Gen X lives, Mm -hmm. um, she said, I think her, her tweet was, this is one of the best films I've ever seen about adolescence, if not the best film. Yeah. So think about that from the girl who yeah, was in the all the adolescent films. And Bo Burnham was like, um, thank you. Like, you know, she is the queen. No doubt. Um, what else? Yeah. Anything? What, what about our favorite quote? Which ones? Are you my mom? Are you my mom? Brown James. So there's the, the other reason this movie is super funny to Todd and I is because how First of all, the kids, besides Kayla, the rest of the kids are not really acting. They're yeah. just kind of going into a school and they're getting great kid behavior. Yeah. And there's like a scene. It's not even that important of a scene, but it's when they're like, you know, giving all the awards out at the end of eighth grade. And you just hear the kids in the background and just their commentary is just very funny. And the whole LeBron James thing is a YouTube. No, no. It was an old Vine. It's a Vine, sweet. Can you find it? Uh, probably, but it's just a kid saying LeBron James. And what's funny is Todd and I saw the movie the first time and we started saying that kind of to be funny because it's, it, I think three times in the movie you hear someone in the background go LeBron James. And JC's like, mom, that was like big three years ago. And I'm like, I know, but we're just catching on. We're slow. We are a little, we're a little late to the party. LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. So that was a... F- that's just a vine it's that been was si- viral. It's been seen by 2.6 million people. <laughs> just 2. a little 6, kid. Just a little kid saying LeBron James. So because that vine was viral, you hear kids in the audience going, LeBron James. And then some kid, when like one of the vice principals gets up, you hear him go, are you my mom? Are you my mom? <laughs> and for some reason, Kathy and I think it's hilarious. And our three daughters are sick of hearing us saying that <laughs> to each other. So, so this movie is more funny than, I mean, it's a really... Uh, poignant. In, 
important movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's funnier than anything else. Yes. It's just a funny movie. So I encourage you. It's a rated. We didn't even talk about it. That's rated R. Which it's called Eighth Grade. It is, and it drew a lot of negative. Uh, you know, people were mad that it was rated R because it kept eighth graders from seeing it. But you know, I I I don't really know the story behind why it stayed. I don't know what the story. I, I I actually do know the story. The director decided that he wanted to write an accurate movie, Good. as opposed to a movie that could fit that could fit into what an eighth grader can see. Beautiful. So I guess what that means is our guidelines of what we allow our kids to see is different than their what real our kids life. Are seeing. Well, even Cameron said to me that she, and again, she hasn't seen it, but that what she heard is that this is an even, this is the tip of the iceberg about what eighth graders see. And I'm, and we're not saying that to scare you, but we have to have a realistic understanding of what our children experience. It doesn't mean that they're doing everything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean, oh, because kids know about oral sex, they're all having oral sex in eighth grade. That's not what it means. What it means is you think you think they haven't seen the world, mm-hmm. but they have access to the world through their phone. I know. And the the important part, and this is the key, talk to them about it. Have a, a conversation about their lives. Talk about things that you think, you know, they may not understand. They may know more than you do. Like it, the key to this generation, Generation Z, is communication and them allowing them to teach you about their lives. Of course you can share your values and of course you can, you know, give advice and support. It doesn't mean you're not part of the equation. It just means don't be shocked by what they have seen and heard and don't be shocked at how amazing and strong and courageous they are. You know, like the key to this movie is that this movie is about someone figuring out how to be themselves but not always their best self, just be oneself. Yeah. And sometimes you can't be your best self and that's okay that you are a mixture of all the emotions and you are some days strong, sometimes anxious, sometimes you don't say the best thing and sometimes you say an amazing thing. Mm. Like the dad is a perfect example. Not only is Kayla an example, but the dad doesn't get it right every time and no. that's okay. He tries to be too cool. He's like, nice. What's the other thing Can you he said? you not look like that, please? What? <laughs> Like what? Just like the way you're looking. Looking at the road? You can look at the road, Dad. I obviously didn't mean that. Just like, don't be weird and quiet while you do it. Sorry. Hey, how was the shadow? No, you were being quiet, which is fine. Just like, don't be weird and quiet. Because like, I look over at you and I think you're about to drive us into a tree or something. And then I get really freaked out and then I can't text my friends. So just like, be quiet and drive. And don't look weird and sad. Please. Oh boy! Okay. See now, now I'm like having some second thoughts of this awesome dab because you need to set loving boundaries on how we communicate with one another, don't we? Well, and I think he, I, I don't, I mean, like that—that's not okay. Well, but he, she's also doesn't have a lot of people that she can just voice her discomfort with. He, uh, Todd, you're 100 percent right. I was just saying before, sometimes we have our best days as parents and sometimes we don't. That could have been a moment where he said, not, it's not about punishing her, but mm-hmm. it's about saying, hey, yeah. can we be respectful of yeah. each other? Like I'm doing my best, but that's not going to make her, and I'm putting this in quotes, be nice to him. No, You have to have some ability to understand that she's struggling yeah. in that moment. Now, I will say this, at the very end of the movie, as she's doing this final narration on her YouTube mm-hmm. 
you they cut to a scene of where they're sitting in the car and she's talking like oh, really? crazy. I didn't yes. even notice that one. So they're trying to demonstrate she's not always a jerk to him in yeah, the car. Yeah, of course. And like that's why the dinner scene where she says, you said on Fridays I could look at my phone. I'm sure they have dinner every night and talk. Well, in that fire scene, she embraces him. Exactly. Yeah. So he's not going to do it perfectly, no. neither is she. No. You know, sometimes the people we love are the people we're the meanest to. Sweetie, do you uh, want to tease what we're doing next? Are you going to play the opening? No. Oh, okay. I yeah. can do that too. This yeah. is our music. Uh, but you want me to play uh, Just that? put on the opening scene All of right. one of them, and then people will know. Everybody who is somebody knows what this music is from, but it's not a movie, sweetie. How are we? So pop culturing is not just movies, even though we've probably done seven or eight movies. Pop culturing is about the things that were meaningful to us, if it be a TV series, or maybe we even talked about bands this morning. We might even do a band. But our next pop culturing is going to be about Sex in the City, because I can't think of a TV show that had a greater impact on me mm. um, than Sex in the City. It yeah. came along at the exact time that I needed it for many different reasons. And um, Todd and I first started dating when it was still big mm -hmm. and it ended when our daughter was a baby and it was probably the most, you know, well, we'll talk about it when on the next show. So yeah. Um, but not Sex in the City, the movie, not Sex the movie. in the City, Although the series. I wanted to do it on the finale, which is awesome, but we're going to broaden it up. Yeah. So it's going to be awesome. So, all right. Thank you. Um, listen to our outro that we do because it talks a little bit more about Zen Parenting Radio and some other things that we got cooking. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you're enjoying. Adios. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to Pop Culturing. If you love movies, music, and talking about pop culture like us, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love Zen Parenting Radio, the podcast we've been doing for over eight years. Zen Parenting focuses on self-awareness, communication, and connection with some pop culture thrown in, and Pop Culturing focuses on pop culture with some self-awareness, communication, and connection thrown in. Listening to both will give you an ideal life balance. If you want to know more about Kathy and I, head over to ZenParentingRadio.com to get more information about our podcasts, events, and don't forget our annual Zen Parenting Conference in Chicago, and so much more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you at the movies. I like that. See you at the movies.